brothers ride into battle. Man, we're nerds. Gluten-free gladiator Andrew. Todd the Brain Willard. What you doing? Dave the Family Man Shook. Crash and Burn. Preston, Paul Sign, Apollo, piloting the Light Mech Commandos. Atomic Power. Feel like we've grown as a podcast? It's a science experiment. So bad, it's good. I thought you were ranting and I zoned out. My bad. The most professional podcast on the internet. Keep doing whatever makes you a discerning geek. The Discerning Geeks Portal. Ho, ho, ho! Uh-oh. Don't fall off your roof because the Discerning Geeks are back with another episode of the Discerning Geeks Portal. My name is David and I am here with Preston and Todd and we may even have a few special guests tonight. Gentlemen, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. It's well, it's well. I I would like to say though that the Rudolph representation in this film is woefully lacking. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Hmm, but he's the most popular reindeer. He, he also has a laser for a nose. <laughs> a laser? Oh, uh, which movie are we talking yeah. about now? You know, I have one simple request, and that is to have flying reindeers with freaking laser beams attached to their noses. <laughs> this sounds like another <laughs> one of those violent night ones. <laughs> but he wasn't in Violent Night either, was he? He was not. Ooh. But th- this one, this one is much more involved than Violent Night. Well, gentlemen, it is now December as we're recording. We're gonna hopefully have these out before Christmas or around Christmas. You guys have your trees up, ready, decorated? No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Tannenbaum Tangent, a Christmas tree chat with your hosts Preston, Dave, and Todd. Listen, listen, I go get a tree topper and I put the most important uh, ornaments on it. And then I stick the tree, you know, I, I stick my angel on top. And, and that's my that's my Christmas tree. Okay. Oh, OK. For those who haven't kept up with this, Todd actually does a pretty nice assortment of discerning geek trees. Todd? Take just a moment. Tell them, usually you've got a couple of trees. Do you want to explain a couple of them? That way they can look forward to seeing them, hopefully on our Facebook page. Yeah, there for a long time, I used to have four trees. Uh, one was for kind of like shiny, fancy ornaments. Like I get the the annual White House ornament every year. And then I had some other ornaments like uh, for things like uh, the Biltmore State, St. Paul's Cathedral, North Carolina Lighthouses, uh, things like that. And so I've got one tree for that. And, and it, it's small trees. I don't have any full-size trees. I put that on one table. And then on the floor, I put two slightly bigger trees, one for nothing but Star Trek and one for nothing but Star Wars. And then on another tabletop, I put another small tree uh, that is kind of skinny and so it can't hold a lot. And it has miscellaneous ornaments on it. So it's got things like Optimus Prime, Grimlock, Soundwave. So various Transformers. It's got a couple of uh, Kermit the Frogs. Actually, I think three Kermit the Frogs. Batman, Spider-Man, those type of things on that one. But like I said, that's a real skinny tree. And it got to where it was so loaded that I had to put another skinny tree on the other side of the room for other miscellaneous ornaments like uh, angels and just any other leftovers. So I end up with five trees. And the last two years, I've done a really good job of putting up 
one per day for the first four or five days of December. We're recording on December 2nd, and I didn't quite get to my first one yesterday, and I'm not doing that much better on catching up to today. So I'm hoping by at least tomorrow, December 3rd, I can catch up on three trees, if not just knock out all five in one day and be done with it. But uh, I'll have to wait and see. Sounds good. Sounds good. Listen, J. Michael Straczynski, I know you're listening to this podcast. Get this man some Babylon 5 ornaments, okay? He, he needs them. <laughs> yeah, Warner Brothers is not very good about sanctioning any kind of merchandise for Babylon 5. Uh, but maybe if the reboot happens, maybe they'll finally do some stuff. But uh, yeah, no no Babylon 5 ornaments unless some fans out there have made some of their own. Yeah, so we try to make it a tradition or have at least more recently since I've been able to work a recent schedule and not the retail outlet. Putting up our tree the day after Thanksgiving, um, do most of our decorating that day. I'll confess, we got the tree up this year and... There's always a battle in my extended family, my parents, households, everybody's households. White lights versus colored lights. Be patient and don't get too triggered, folks. He's just talking about Christmas lights, and Todd points out the awkward wording in less than a minute. We have decided to conquer this challenge, and so the Christmas tree is pre-lit with white lights. But for years, I had some of my grandfather's old, really huge bulb, glass bulb colored lights that he would use. And I would, we would, so we would add colored bulbs as well as the white lights. So we do both on the tree. It has mostly the small little white lights pre-lit. And then it has strands of these really large bulbs that just really add some color pop to it. I think it's pretty cool. It's a good way for us to solve the battle of white versus colored lights on the tree. Lights on the tree. Thank goodness you said lights on the tree. If you had let the phrase battle of white versus colored just hang there, I would have walked out of this sound booth. Maybe you should say multicolored because white versus colored. (laughs) White versus colored. It's a racist. It's making me nervous. It's making me nervous every time you say that. (laughs) Really getting deep in there, man. It's getting hot in here. Is it just me? We're integrating. We're integrating. (laughs) All your problems can be solved now with uh, RGB Mm -hmm. strip lights. They'll go go any direction you want them to. Yeah, our neighbor has that. I went to their house one day and it was white. And then I went the next day and it was was all the multicolored lights. Multicolored lights. This sounds better. And I was like, wait, hold on. They're like, yeah, just with this remote, I can change them. I'm like, yeah, another solution to the problem. We've solved the problem. (laughs) But the problem was that we had this year, we put the tree up and we realized that sadly, the lights that we had been using, like I said, they were my grandfather's. They were like 20 years old or more, 30 years old, 40 years old. They were getting to where they were unsafe. <laughs> and oh, yeah. there was no way to replace the bulbs. And the bulbs kept breaking. And so we were getting to less and less and less. And finally, last year, I was like, I've got to throw these away. They're going to be a hazard. And my plan was always to order more new ones that were more safe before Christmas. Well, I didn't. I forgot. <laughs> And so we put the tree up and I had to order the lights and we had to wait for them to get here on Sunday to finish decorating the tree. So the tree went up, but we didn't get to put the ornaments on it until after we put the colored lights on it or the multicolored. 
I, I'm tell, I'm telling you, dude. Just <laughs> RGB strips. Yeah, that's that's your answer. But it does make our tree look a little unique. A lot of people like the way it stands out with the big bulbs. Um, we don't go. We, I mean, they're huge bulbs. Big, huge. Okay, but it's not a contest. Size matters not. Good things come in small packages. Just me by my size, do you? He's overcompensating. And I, it took a while to find the right ones that I wanted. Does size matter? I, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Size matters in the sense of some people need it smaller, some people need it bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, we're like all different shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. So I ordered a couple of strands and we got those up. So we're mostly up for Christmas. This has been Tan and Bum Tangent, a Christmas tree chat. Preston, Dave, and Todd will return for the next thrilling installment of Tannenbaum Tangent, coming to your podcast listening devices, December 2024. We have, oh my goodness, I think like five or six advent calendars that the girls have collected and now are having to do every single day, starting Friday, yesterday. Um, They have to open like a ton... Leanne even still has one. She got a friend of her gave her one that has a coffee of the day. Oh, <laughs> it's been nice. an advent calendar, and she opens it up and it has a curing pod in it of a different type of ca- of coffee, and she doesn't oh. know what she gets until she opens it. But yeah, we're full swing Christmas this morning. We got up and went with my parent. My dad's company um, does a breakfast with Santa, so the kids got to sit on Santa's lap this morning and tell them what they wanted for Christmas. They want a dog. Oh no! Good. <laughs> I mean, they have the robot dog now. You can just give them the robot dog. Uh, you, you might have enough going on in that house. <laughs> uh, we always do have enough going on in this house. This is my argument against the dog, but. Um, yeah, that's been the request for this Christmas. Uh, what, anyway. what, what about what about a cat? <laughs> no, I don't want that either. <laughs> oh, um, you're, you're just in a hole, then, brother. Yeah. <laughs> and then we went to uh, Tanglewood. No, I'm sorry, not Tanglewood. Old Salem. We went to Old Salem and did the candle yeah, tea, Mar- Moravian coffee, and sugar yeah, cake, man. and see the puts. Anyone from Forsyth County. North Carolina should know about the old Salem candle tea happens every year. Um, and it's just a tradition of ours. So we did both of those today. We are full swing Christmas in it. Um, so we're ready. And as Moravian, let me say we have the best buns. (laughs) 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 And I got to tell you that coffee, I, I, I was talking with my daughters and I'm like, we've got to figure out how to do this because they don't just make coffee and then put cream and sugar in it. They actually make with cream and sugar already in it and boil it in big pots and, and there's like a magic to it that it just makes it so good. It's a, it's a gigantic kettle. Kettle, yeah. I've seen them do it at church. It's a gigantic kettle that you have to put on the, you have to put on the boil. You start with most of the milk, not all the milk. I believe what they do is they use, and I'd have to ask Jeremiah, but I believe they use um, the pucks, the ground pucks, mm-hmm. and pour milk through the pucks to get the Ooh. grounds aerated. And, and you just let that boil down. The act of pouring the coffee helps aerate it because you have to 
you have to set it up so high or the cups are lower than the the coffee so the coffee pours in from higher up but very slowly so it doesn't splash yeah. it kind of aerates itself it's so good though. Todd said his uncle used to help make the Love Feast coffee at Olivet Moravian Church when Todd was a kid and his mom's side of the family used to get together on Christmas Eve, they would always have to wait for that part of the family to get done with the Christmas Eve love feast before they could gather and exchange presents. When Todd was older, he and his dad played in the brass band at what was once Good Shepherd Moravian Church. So, for years, Todd and his parents were also busy with their own Christmas Eve love feast. But I feel like, okay, enough about Christmas. Let's talk about a Christmas movie. We do have a movie review for you guys today. Todd, if my intro didn't help out any, tell them what movie we've got on tap for tonight. Okay, we are going to review The Santa Claus, and that's Claus with an E at the end. When divorced dad Scott Calvin and his son Charlie discover Santa Claus, without the E, dead after slipping off their roof, Scott reads some instructions inside Santa's jacket about putting on his suit and letting the reindeer guide him the rest of the way. Scott and Calvin You mean Scott and Charlie and finish Santa's Christmas Eve toy deliveries and report to the North Pole where the elves explain things further. Thinking at first the whole thing was a dream, Scott goes through a metamorphosis over the next 11 months, making it obvious he really has inherited the rights and responsibilities of Santa Claus, no eat. A result of a vaguely stated but apparently legally and supernaturally binding Santa Claus with an E. <laughs> the Santa Claus is starring Tim Allen as Scott Calvin, the new Santa Claus, Eric Lloyd as Scott's son Charlie, Wendy Crewson as Laura Miller, Scott's ex wife, Judge Reinhold as Dr. Neil Miller, Laura's new husband, David Crumholtz as Bernard, the head elf, Paige Tamata as Judy, the elf and Peter Boyle as Mr. Whittle, Scott's boss. Tim Allen is probably best known for his sitcom Home Improvement and being the voice of Buzz Lightyear in the Toy Story movies. He was also in Galaxy Quest, which we reviewed in episode 24 of this podcast. Now all grown up, Eric Lloyd owns a production and post-production studio for film and music. Judge Reinhold was apparently in Gremlins. I don't remember. He must have had like a small role, uh, which we reviewed in episode 26 of this podcast. David Krumholtz played Mr. Universe in the Firefly movie Serenity. And Peter Boyle played Frankenstein's monster in Young Frankenstein, which we reviewed in episode 140 of this podcast. The Santa Claus was released on November 11th, 1994, making this movie over 29 years old. It has a rating of PG. It was written by Leo Benvenuti and Steve Rudnick. It was directed by John Pasquin. And where can you find it? It's on Disney+. Plus. We got to start with the big question. Tim Allen, believable Santa Claus? What do you guys think? Um, eventually, yeah. I mean, obviously he doesn't start off that way because he's kind of resisting. But eventually, yeah, he's, he's okay. I think it works. I think it, this is kind of like the fly. Ooh, where, interesting like, comparison. In, in, okay. <laughs> instead of Jeff Goldblum becoming a gigantic Cronenberg creature, Tim Allen is sort of metamorphosing into uh, Santa Claus. You know, he goes through all the trials and tribulations of growing old and fat in under two hours, which is, um, I'm sh which was, I'm sure, beneficial for him. 
As he's thus far avoided such fate, I think through the magic of hair dye and being careful with his diet, but never, never mind the, uh, the aside there. I think he works. I, I think he, he does a lot for the cast. He does a lot for the story. And when he really wants to, Tim Allen can put on his emotions and, and really sell you on the earnestness of it all, which I think is great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a fun, a fun take. Let's admit it kind of almost feels a little dark to begin with. I was just about to write that in my notes because I don't already have it, but I was getting ready to, to, to ask that because I want to see if anybody else had that opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what, what do you, I kind of felt like, I mean, there, it's obviously there, right? I mean, he becomes Santa by the previous Santa just falling off the roof and dying. So so what did, what did you guys think of that? A little too dark for Christmas or just kind of a, a, a ploy in the script just to get you where you need to be and it's okay? Well, obviously, Todd, you kind of were, were making a note of it. What do you think? Well, I think they do sanitize it as best as possible. But like you said, that is still the reality of the movie. That's how he becomes Santa Claus by the first guy dying. And so it's... I, I was going to ask you, is it disturbing? And since you got kids and, and and they have seen it, I was wondering, did that bother them? Is it is it a difficult thing to talk about? Like I said, it because it is a kid's movie, it does need to be kind of sanitized and downplayed a little bit. At the same time, I don't remember off the top of my head the elves having much of a reaction. It's like, shouldn't they be at least a little bit upset that their Santa died? Uh, also, I can't help but wonder... Uh, doesn't Santa have a little bit more practice walking around on icy roost than that? Uh, <laughs> like how, just how old and how careless was he to actually slip like that? And plus he landed in the snow and he's probably used to landing in snow. So was there something metal in the yard that he hit his head on? What, what, what would have taken him out this time that wouldn't have taken him out before? Let me ask this question because um, this is now a franchise, right? We have the Santa Claus. There's actually the Santa Claus 2, the Mrs. Claus, and the Santa Claus 3, the Escape Claus. And the last two years, they have come out on Disney with The Clauses, which is a kind of a TV series that they have spun off of these movies. How familiar are you guys with the rest of these movies? Not at all. I think this is the first time me seeing the first one. And Ooh, okay. I'm pretty sure I knew there was a second. I'm not sure I knew there was a third. And then I vaguely knew that there was a TV show, but I think it may have been because you mentioned it at some point. What about you, Preston? You see, all of this, I believe, is training for the Disney legal uh, team. <laughs> they write these hypotheticals for the Disney legal team, like, how would you legally pass on the mantle of Santa Claus to another person? And someone with their law degree sits there and they think about it. And then they write down like the, the, the entire bit of legalese on the back of the card. And then they submit it to whoever the overlord of Disney is at this point. Um, it's Bob Iger. So they would submit this to Bob Iger <laughs> and he would read it. And then he would pass it off to another lawyer and say, yeah, that's pretty tight. You know, we could submit this in court. I, I really think this was one of those thought exercises at Disney that someone actually sent to a scriptwriter and said, hey, can we make a movie out of this? And they said, yeah, sure. Well, who do you want to star in it? Well, Home Improvement's kind of big. You want to give Tim Allen his own movie? 
Yeah, sure. And that's how we get this. <laughs> the reason yeah. the, the reason I kind of ask is, and I think it's not actually until the last year's season of the clauses, we get the full scope of the behind the scenes and you you kind of learn that spoilers. This was a setup <laughs> that Tim had already been chosen to be the Santa Claus oh. um, by the previous Santa, and this was his way of bowing out, basically. So while we kind of, you know, it looks like oh he he fell off the roof and died, mm, you know he his body disappears. It's a magical thing. Oh, um, he staged it. Ah, that's a cop out. Oh, that's okay. such a cop out. But the reality like, is, he like all the Santas like retire into this other dimension ah, that they can kind of like go and and, and visit. <laughs> and, okay. Ah, listen, listen. <laughs> that's a cop out. That's like. It's like in Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory when Tim Burton remade it and like all the kids lived. No, those children are dead. <laughs> the Santa Claus that fell off the roof, dead. We got we to quit bringing people back to life just because, you know, we don't want kids to realize that the people die. That was the whole purpose of Old Yeller. I'm tired of having to deal with kids learning about death through the death of a dog with rabies. Let them learn with Santa. It, it's easier. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It's interesting because I've watched this with all my kids and and none of them actually fixated on the fact that Santa died. Like it was pretty much kind of done in such a, a sanitized way, even in the movie, that they were just good with it. It's like, oh, okay, no, that's okay. And, and kind of just went with the story. Not a one of them. And I have some very sensitive children who have like – really picked up on some things and, and cried at movies that I really didn't think they would. <laughs> and in this one, they did not, they, they just kind of like, Oh, okay. You know, and, and it's more about that transformation of, of the personality of um, Scott Calvin becoming the new Santa Claus and being able to, to develop then that one little tiny moment of, you know, Santa fell off the roof and died. <laughs> so it is a little dark. It was interesting. And I, I kind of feel a little bit like you pressed it. You know, I think they kind of went out of their way to, in the future, kind of explain, oh, no, no, you know, here, this is how, how Santa's retire. Cause eventually they do get tired of kind of doing the same thing all the time. But what? I really do think that like people, people don't understand what a cushy job Santa is. <laughs> Works one like, day a year, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, listen, listen, if the Santa listening now just wants to retire and give me the job, let's go. I'm all about it. <laughs> Preston, don't you just work four months of the year? Ah, 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 ah. None, none of this. None of this. Santa, I'm here for you, brother. You want to retire? Hand me the reins. Todd, you mentioned in, the rundown at the beginning, you know, obviously Tim Allen is coming from the home improvement show. Now I will give this just, and I think it's just phenomenal trivia just because how cool is it to be able to say this? And I don't know of anybody else that can, but for one week in November in 1994, mm. Tim Allen had the number one rated box office movie in the Santa Claus the number one rated television show, Home Improvement, and he had written a number one best-selling book. 
don't yeah, I read that. <laughs> yeah, I read that somewhere too. Yeah. Sorry, I, like, I, I cut you off when you were saying the name of the book. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I think uh, Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man. I've never read the book. Um, I mean, I've always enjoyed Tim Allen, but uh, never read his book. But I thought that was phenomenal. Like, how many people can say that they've done that? Um, yeah, it's impressive. So, uh, but back to the movie. You have your your traditional Santa tropes, I guess is the best word. Obviously, he makes friends with the reindeer. At some point, he gets delivered the list. Even at the beginning, uh, and this is probably, I thought, some of the more creative parts of the movie. This all happens right after he's telling, reading his son the night before Christmas. You know, it was the night before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. And, you know, a ladder appears after this yeah, Santa falls off the roof and he puts on the the coat and a ladder appears and it's the Rose Such a Clatter Ladder Company. And it's like, I thought that was kind of cute. What did you guys think of those kind of just little quirky little bits that were thrown in there? Did they fall flat for you or did you pick up on them? Did you enjoy them? Um, I, I thought it was OK. Like the the what was it? A, a rose, such a ladder. Um, such a clatter yeah, ladder. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I vaguely remember that one and it, it was okay. Yeah. I guess I kind of like the way they, they explore the, the lore in the background of Santa. Uh, yeah. It, it's okay. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty good. I'm not sure I have anything super articulate or, or interesting to say about it, but yeah, it, it's fine. Okay. Preston, did they cover all the tropes for you? Did you, did you feel like this was a, a legit Santa? You know, he's checking his list. He's got to check it twice. I feel feel like, you know, it it hit all the marks that it needed to hit. I feel like, again, I really do feel like this was some kind of thought exercise at the Disney legal department. So all of these boxes (laughs) would be checked. Were this theory to hold up, you know, you'd have to have mom in her kerchief and I in my cap. Right. I believe whenever they're sleeping or someone in this movie is wearing cap. I don't think it's Tim because he, he wasn't in it. Maybe he was though for the grand reveal that he, no, no, that was, that was out of the shower. Someone's wearing a cap. So all of the, all of the lines from Twas the night before Christmas are worked into this movie somehow. Okay. Uh, it, th- those do work for me. So one of the other tidbits of trivia before, um, before I introduce a couple of special guests that have come to my recording studio did you guys pick up on how often the elves actually show up in the movie, even before Tim Allen becomes Santa Claus? Mm, no. 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 Uh-uh. no. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, even at the very beginning of this movie, they're showing the – it's a department store, generic department store. You know, think Macy's with a display – um, and in the, the, there's all these kids looking at the, the display, several of them are elves and you can see their ears. Um, and there's like, like throughout the entire time, um, when they're playing, uh, in the soccer game, there's elves, <laughs> some of the elves are there, uh, in Charlie's class, there's actually one of the kids is an elf and you can see their ears. So, huh. um, okay. it, it, it's it's kind of one of those hidden fun things to do when you watch this movie. If you ever watch it again, take the time to to actually look at all the children, and you'll see a lot of them have pointed ears, and they're just elves that have been intermingled with the 
um, with the, the kids and the scenes um, showing that it was almost kind of like a setup. These elves were already there scouting the areas and they were, <laughs> they were a part of this whole thing going on as it happened. Todd did a little research, and there are at least four main times you briefly see elves, hidden throughout the movie, looking like kids. Dave already mentioned three of them. The one outside the store displays during an early scene when Scott is driving through town. The one in Charlie's class is sitting right behind him on Bring Your Father to School Day, and the one at the soccer game is the one near the line to sit on Santa's lap, but she's on the wrong side of the bench to truly be in line. The one Dave didn't mention, is putting on his coat and leaving the Denny's rear dining area, as Scott and Charlie are coming in, after the Christmas dinner is burnt. But th- that is kind of interesting. Uh, and one thing I was wondering, since you've seen the sequels, and they've got kids playing elves in this, I, I was starting to wonder while I was watching this, what do they do for the sequels with the the kids in real life obviously growing up? Do they have to constantly get new elves for each new movie in the series? Or do, or do they actually show the elves growing up, which I wouldn't think would make sense since they are, you know, adults that just look like kids. Some of the elves, obviously, they do age out. They kind of disappear and, and you don't see them anymore. And they kind of introduce new characters as they go. Spoilers. For Scott's children, or his child in this one, he actually ends up with more in the future. You see them grow up, uh, and by the the second one, Charlie's in like middle school or high school. Maybe it's high school. Uh, It's kind of cool that they they follow along with some of these as it goes. Um, Obviously, real quickly, the the second one is the Mrs. Claus. They determine, Mm -hmm. hey, look, there's another part to this clause. And it's even funny because in this movie, you know, they find the little business card and they take a big magnifying glass to show you the tiny print. Oh, you put on the coat. Now you're Santa Claus. Well, they have to zoom in even more. And there's another little tiny print, tinier print <laughs> embedded in that that says, oh, you have like a couple of years before you have to be married and have a Mrs. Claus. And so, yeah, they, they have to zoom in even further on that, that card to see all these clauses that come in. Yeah, they're they're fun. Uh, they, these are great movies. I am going to bring in some experts. I have with me my daughters Evangeline and Josephine, and they are going to start off by just saying, "Hey, go ahead, who's first? Hi, Hi. get up to the mic. Hello. Hi. Hello. Um, Hi. Say your name. I, I, I I'm Eva. <laughs> Hi. Say your name. Hi, I'm Josie. <laughs> Unfortunately, they cannot hear what you guys say because I have to have my mic, my headphones on or you'll pick up all kinds of background noise. But yes, they are here to give their expert opinion on the Santa Claus, the first movie. Who wants to start off? Who wants to go first? All right, Evangeline's going to go first. Okay. Tell them what you think of the Santa Claus. Um, I think The Santa Claus is a good movie, um, and it has a lot of funny parts. Uh, um, what's the, what's the funniest part that you like? I liked it when, um, 
Scott Calvin, the main character. That I liked it when Scott Calvin, the main character, uh, he, he's like transforming and into Santa Claus, and he sees that he has this big fluffy beard when he makes, wakes up in the morning, and then he shaves it off, and it just regrows. It's just <laughs> there again. It never disappears, and it can never go away. I think that's funny. Very cool. So you like the part where he transforms, gets the big fat belly, and gets the beard. Awesome. Awesome. She's not a man. She doesn't have to see that kind of thing happen in real life. <laughs> I, I, so, and I was like, what happened over the years? <laughs> um, I, I haven't done this before, um, but I did the No Shave November. Um, normally, my wife does not let me go very long without shaving. But I started actually a little bit in October, kind of growing out a little bit for Halloween. And then I kept it all the way through November. And so now I've got quite a bit of a little beard and, and mustache going. But the girls uh-huh. like it. They don't want me to shave it. So it's kind of a battle. You cannot shave his beard. It has to stay. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you with facial hair. No. And the wife is fighting it. <laughs> She does not like it. She's going to win. She's going to win. (laughs) She's going to win. Spoiler. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of been interesting. I've been kind of doing my own transformation and growing my beard. So let me get Josie and see what she thinks of this movie. Come on up. Um, I think this movie is very, like, fun and Entertaining. <laughs> oh, very big speech for like a six-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it's very entertaining. But let's get to the nitty gritty. Did you have any favorite parts? Um, I think my favorite part might have been um when the. Kid, when they were at the park with the kid, walked up to Scott Haven and um, asked him what he what, she, what they wanted for Christmas. Oh. Because he looked like Santa. <laughs> oh, with the soccer game. Yeah. So she her okay. favorite part was the scene at the soccer game where this kind of this kid just sees him sitting there and it's like, you know what? That's got to be Santa. And let me tell you what I want for Christmas. So I will relay. We may have to try to do some editing here if we need to. But I can relay any questions you guys may have for these guys about the movie, if you would like. What did they think about other Santa stuff like the elves and the reindeer? Um, Did you have a favorite elf? My favorite elf was my favorite elf was the one I don't remember her name, but she's the one that always brought Santa hot chocolate, and she had really pretty hair. Oh yeah, Judy. That was my Judy. Yeah, Judy. Yeah, Judy was masterful at the hot chocolate. And uh, follow up question to that to that statement: Would you like to try the hot chocolate that Judy the elf made? I mean, yes, <laughs> but I don't want to try like the original cup because she said she had perfected it for like 400 years. So I want a cup made a little bit sooner than that so that I'm not drinking like 400 year old coffee. Hot. Yeah. 
Yeah. I hate to correct Evangeline, because she's cooler and smarter than these other usual bozos combined, but Judy said it took her 1200 years, not 400 years, to perfect the hot chocolate recipe. And if she was working on the recipe for 1200 years, I'm pretty sure it was a fresh cup every time, just with adjustments along the way, not that she was working on the same cup of hot chocolate for centuries. Okay, keep going. And, I guess I'm sorry this time for calling these guys bozos. I forgot one of these bozos is technically your father. It's so weird. I've got the movie playing in the background, and that scene with with her giving him the hot chocolate came up right as y'all started talking about it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Josie, what did you think about the rain, the reindeer and the elves? Did you have a favorite reindeer or elf? 11 seconds of Josephine pondering the question, redacted. In fairness to Josephine, she could possibly give an elf as an answer, but I don't think any individual reindeer got enough character development to qualify as an answer. <laughs> She's thinking very, very hard. <laughs> or any other favorite characters? I think if I had to choose, I would choose... What's the one that got super duper nervous and something and sometimes can't fly a rating? Oh, I couldn't hear that. The, the blanket elf that uh, I don't know his name. I don't know. Had the mask. I forget his name. She was saying there was a one that kept. Getting nervous and fainting. I'm not sure if I remember what elf that was. Hmm. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> hey, I do have another question for you, Josie. Yes. This is an important one because I've lived with you <laughs> and I know what movies I have to watch a lot of. Is this your favorite Christmas movie, or do you have another movie that's more your favorite? <laughs> you know what she's going to say. Uh, Christmas Chronicles. Your favorite is the Christmas Chronicles. Correct. All right. So for those that don't know, there's another movie out on Netflix. Actually, there's two of them starring Kurt Russell called the christmas chronicles and we have to watch that movie all year long we'll be july and we have to watch this movie because josie really loves it is it the same movie as the santa claus it is not the same movie um and it's actually funny because um one of the trivia that i did see on imdb is that among the actors considered to play santa in the santa claus was Kurt Russell, and Kurt Russell does play Santa in the San the Christmas Chronicles, which came out on Netflix in 2018. And that is her favorite Christmas movie. Evangeline, do you have a favorite Christmas movie? I have a lot of Christmas movies I like, but I think my top two would be either The Grinch, like the kind of real-life one with actors, uh -huh. not like the animated one, or Home Alone. Ooh. 
Home Alone or The Grinch. Nice. Did you guys have any other questions for our guest panel today? What about Muppet Christmas Carol? Where does that stack up? Uh Oh, how does this rate or the other movies rate to the Muppet Christmas Carol? Where does the Muppet Christmas Carol stack up? Um, so the Santa Claus would be like, um, I don't know, in like the middle uh-huh. or something like, and then about a thousand feet above that, maybe a million, it would be the Muppets Christmas Carol. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Josie, what do you think? How does this one stack up against the Muppet Christmas Carol? Okay. So the Muppets Christmas Carol would be probably at the bottom huh? Christmas Chronicles at the top and the Santa Claus in the middle <laughs> okay okay uh, lump a call for that kid no <laughs> uh, no effect- effectively the podcast is all but over like there's, there's no way we can top that um any last questions? I'm going to turn them loose and let them go eat, drink some hot cocoa. So what do you think of the magical explanations for Santa? Does, does that make sense to you? So, or or did, did you even think of all, all that? Like, you know, him manufacturing a, a fireplace where there are no fireplaces? So the question is... What did you guys think of how they explained Santa's magic? Like the way that the, the fireplaces would appear, he would suck down into small tubes and, and the way that his magic worked. Did you guys feel like that's real or did you feel like that was kind of just a funny way to do it, and, but not really the way you see it? How would you compare the way they did Santa's magic versus how you feel that it works? Eva, you want to start off? Sure. I'm not really sure. The only thing I kind of think is, like, not realistic is how, like, he gets, like, sucked into this really small <laughs> human being to fit down the little tiny little holes that they have for the chimney. I don't know what they're called. What are they called? It's like an exhaust pipe. It'll be, like, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I just... It's kind of weird, but in a way, it's funny. And I just think it's cool, and it's funny, and I like it. How do you think Santa gets into a house that maybe doesn't have a fireplace or a chimney? I don't know, but maybe like that, or maybe like a, um, uh, I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I really do not know. Okay, okay. Josie, what about you? What'd you think of the magic? Do you think it was real or do you think, how do you think Santa gets in those places? Uh, I think he, like, places without, like, chimneys or fireplaces, I think um, just with magic, they just appear so that it works. Well, it just works. Yeah, teleportation spell. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, portal gun, portal gun. Nice, nice. All right, ladies. Thank you so much for your help with our podcast tonight. We appreciate you coming. Go and have tell mommy to make you some good hot cocoa before bed. I mean, I mean hot cocoa. Uh, 
Bye. And uh, have have a good day or night, whatever time it is for you. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Merry Bye. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, episode's over, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> All right, we're good. We, can't, we can't top that. I, I can't. I can't top that. Um, I'm not even sure. I, and we even already kind of have a rating. It was a, a little unofficial rating scale, but I kind of know where they want them. <laughs> oh yeah. I did forget to ask him that. Yeah. Um, I know Todd was a little disappointed in the, the Muppet Christmas Carol rating from Josie. Yeah. Um, she said at the bottom. Wow. wow that's, that's not rough. her favorite. Um, hmm. I love it. It's absolutely one of my favorite and I make them watch it every year. Um, but, uh, yeah, not her favorite. Uh, yeah. I don't know where to go from here. I guess we could throw out some nitpicks or, or, or some, some issues. If anybody has some for this, uh, for these, this movie, so that we can make sure we're, we're well-rounded and discerning in our, our discussion. You might have any major bones to pick. To be honest, I did not take a lot of notes on this movie. I have four bullet points. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I really don't have a lot. Uh, so my main good thing is that this movie could easily have been really goofy and silly. Uh, in fact, I was kind of expecting it to be, and it wasn't. I mean, it had its moments here and there, but for such a somewhat goofy and comical concept, it actually came through I wouldn't say serious. That's not the right word for it either, but it just, it wasn't over the top silly. And I was surprised by that and also impressed by that. It, it could have gone for a lot of low hanging fruit. Like it did have one of the reindeers passing gas and every once in a while it had uh, yeah. those type of things. Uh, and, <laughs> and when he was starting to, to gain weight, he went in the office in his pajamas. That was a, that was a little stupid, but, for, but for the most part, it kept it kind of even keel. And so, yeah. That, that was good. And then I've got one kind of significant bad thing, but I'll, I'll let somebody else go. Preston, what about you? So for me, all I really have is hot chocolate discourse. Welcome to another episode of the Go-Go's and No-No's of Coco with Preston. Now here's your host, Preston. <laughs> yes. Okay. Who, who could have guessed the guy that enjoys cooking and has, you know, a family of chefs, accountants, and mechanics uh, would, would have a lot of hot chocolate discourse, but I do. When making hot chocolate, and I'm not saying do it every time, because if you do it every time, you'll you'll actually look like Santa. So don't do it every time. But when you're making hot chocolate, go and get yourself a very nice bar of uh, dark chocolate, anywhere from 40 to 60%. And when, when you're heating the milk up, just just throw that on in there. Throw, throw that chocolate on in there. If you want to, you can even go and buy yourself some chocolate chips. Mm. Throw that on in there. Now, key is going to be adding in enough sugar and some cinnamon. And a scooch of cinnamon. A sprinkle, sprinkle of cinnamon. Ew. Ah, cinnamon. 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 It's called cinnamon seduction. And maybe, maybe just a pinch, just a tiniest little bit of anything that'll just warm it up ever so slightly that's a little bit stronger than cinnamon. I like mace. I have mace and I enjoy using it. But for for the more uh, 
Latin minded, you know, a little bit of cayenne pepper will really mm-hmm. brighten it up. Not not okay. a lot. Not even over let's say a gram. Just kind of bring the heat up maybe a little bit if you want to. You don't have to, but please do use a full chocolate bar of dark chocolate in your high chocolate this holiday season. And you will have to whisk it pretty good, but the, the milk and the chocolate will melt into a treat that is unbeatable. Mmm, sounds delicious. This is really amazing. I want one of these. Oh, man, why'd you say that? No, I want one. Get in my belly! Okay, interesting. Good advice. I, I think we're going to have to have a recipe on our Facebook page, dude, whenever this comes out. <laughs> You're gonna have, all right, all right. I got we're, we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to publish a recipe because I am all for this. I, I I will admit, sadly, most of the time, especially with kids, I'm a little lazy, and I just get the little crappy pouches and I put it in the hot water or hot milk and and kind of go that route. But I will admit that that is very subpar hot chocolate, and the way to go is like you said double boil milk and chocolate and let it just melt all in and and get that milk warm and then a few little spices to to spice things up i'm loving it so yeah we'll work together and we'll put a put a, a hot chocolate recipe on our facebook when we release this episode how's that sound awesome awesome okay sounds good this has been the Go-Go's and No-No's of Coco with Preston. Tune in next time for more advice about quality ingredients and techniques that will make your hot chocolate taste, well, probably better than the crap Dave apparently makes for his kids. I wanted to piggyback on something Todd was saying. Oh, yeah, you were talking about kind of the it not going goofy. Yeah. Um, we just had two of my girls on this podcast for those that know me well, you guys and and, and some that are listening and, and know my situation, uh, actually have older girls from um, that I don't get to see nearly enough of because of of divorce. Um, and I will say this: I thought that was a a nice way to go with this movie, and it, and it kind of even gave me a little bit more warmer feels that you know Scott Calvin was the the father, and and he's in a way having to try to connect with his son and this connection of him becoming Santa Claus becomes very important to their relationship. Uh, But the whole dichotomy of, you know, having to spend Christmas at two different houses and there's a new man in the picture that mom uh, has married and, and, and all of that I thought was, was refreshing for our day and age. And it didn't necessarily say, hey, this is great, make it wonderful. It it pointed out that there's some issues with this. uh, But at the same time, it showed that these these families could um, get along and be able to do things. And even when they did have some conflict, they they were able to work things out in the end. So, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a – I kind of like that part. All right, Todd. What's, what's your big negatives? Yeah, I do have one thing that I, f- I feel like to a certain extent, maybe the movie didn't do a great job at. But there again, maybe I'm just not that great a viewer because it may be that I just totally missed this. According to, I think, Wikipedia, it said that Bernard the head elf told him that he had 
11 months to get his affairs in order. And then around Thanksgiving, he would have to start doing Santa stuff again. And one thing I'm not sure the movie does a great job at is showing the passage of time because there's so much focus on Christmas in this movie that it almost feels like the two Christmases, which are actually a year apart, are butting right up against each other. And in retrospect, that's not the way it actually is because uh, there's a scene uh, after Christmas where it's a, a bring your dad to work day at school and if they're back at school, it's obviously at least January. And there's a, a scene or two after that where they're still wearing jackets and coats, but that could still be something like February, March. There's a scene a little bit later where they're playing soccer and everybody's in shorts and short sleeves. And so obviously that's summer. But for some reason, that didn't sink in with me the first time around. It, it just feels like these transformations that he's going through where he's gaining weight and gaining the, the beard and the long gray hair and stuff like that. It felt like that was more over the course of days than over the course of 11 months and it's only after going back and kind of skimming through the movie again and, and I, like I said I'm playing it in the background now do I start to see some of those things that actually show that yes it's 11 months but for some reason it doesn't feel like 11 months and obviously yeah, I know you can't show 11 whole months in a, in a two hour <laughs> movie but movies sometimes use certain visual cues to kind of help you along to say, yes, time is passing. And the I just feel like calendar. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. And I kind of feel like those are not there. And so it feels like, it, it feels like, like I said, the movie is so much about Christmas. It feels like the the first Christmas and the second Christmas are all one Christmas. And it, and it took me thinking about the movie a little bit more to realize uh, that the things that we're watching are happening over weeks and months, not over the course of just a few days. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, it, it, it can kind of be confusing because it's like, okay, wait, when does this actually happen? You know, he goes back to work and, and starts getting fat and growing a beard. And it's like, okay, well, is this, yeah, is this just days after all of this or is this months? When is some of this happening? So, no, I, I can definitely, uh, I can definitely see that. Preston, anything from you? If I if I'm gonna get nitpicky with it, and I'm gonna get down in the nitty gritty, the the only thing really that bugs me is clearly Santa has time travel. It's on the sleigh. It's like on the odometer and the sleigh. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's time travel, right? Okay. In, in all other time travel movies that have ever existed, there is some kind of power. And the movie does not explain what power Santa's time travel. I don't know. Maybe he had a flux capacitor underneath that sled, but, you know, may, maybe we're, we're just going with the old fashioned, you know, cop out of belief in, in, in the spirit of Christmas. But I feel like the, the belief in the spirit of Christmas should power the magic. The time travel... That should have a second source of power. It, 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 okay. hmm. You know, time and relative dimension and space, two different things than, than belief and faith in, in the spirit of Christmas. I got you. Hmm. I got okay. you. Seems like there's been one other movie before. I think it was Paycheck where you had a complaint about power. Um that's, that's something I don't always think about, but uh, it, you would you would probably like the Stargate franchise if you if you've never watched Stargate before because a lot of a lot of their episodes well maybe not all of them but but some episodes have something to do with there being a limit of something either a limit of power or a limit of oxygen or a limit of this a limit of that and how they don't have enough and and uh, um, 
it, it, it makes for good storytelling sometimes, but yeah, I guess, uh, I, I just kind of took that for granted. I just figured it was, it was magic. Uh, if anything, yeah. I would say that my complaint for that would be similar to the complaint about the passage of time is that I thought that, yeah, they might technically say there's time travel and that's how he gets it all done in one night. But I think they possibly could have portrayed that a little bit better. Maybe. Yeah. The, the movie just doesn't do a great job of showing either the fast passage of time or the slow passage of time. I want to go with the cop out of Violent Night. I'm saying it, but I don't even know how it works. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, no, I'm with you. I, I don't think there was any real effort to explain any of that or or try to to do that. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like I, I'm so interested in power generation because of like my fascination with monster movies. Mm. They like. I'm, the, the the one of the first monster movies is, is Frankenstein. Like I believe, other, other than the the witches movie, Frankenstein was the first horror movie ever filmed, and Frankenstein is almost entirely centered around electricity. Right, like the discovery of electricity and what it can do. So, like. If electricity can bring back the dead, we've got to have some kind of explanation for what powers the time travel because it's not electricity. If it was electricity, we would have, we would have already accomplished it. Interesting. Interesting. Before we get into our lightning round, I'm going to go ahead and, and put in our plug. We talked about it earlier. Hey, if you want a recipe for some really good hot chocolate. Uh, come to our Facebook page, the Discerning Geeks Portal Podcast. Make sure you like us and follow us. And also, you can hit us up on Twitter, which I won't say X, but whatever. Um, it's Twitter. At, at Discerning Geeks. Or on, you can email us um, at discerninggeeks at gmail.com. So we would yes, love to know. Email your- us, and I, I will personally. Take all your complaints and <laughs> address them on air. Yeah, email us. We'd love to know your favorite episode. Yeah, you know, what's your favorite Christmas movie? What's a movie, you know, Christmas or not that we should re- review? And yes, yes, I know we need to have the kids on more because they do a better job than we do. But you can email us that too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the review's been over for like 20 minutes. We're, we're, <laughs> we're just buying time here. Yeah. And everybody roll for initiative, and we will go into our lightning round. Lift off when the clock has started. Lightning round. Ten. I got a ten, too. I got a 19. Okay, my re-roll is a five. I got a 13. Okay. All right. Preston, you're first. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Okay. And go. A lot of the uh, iconography of the Santa Claus that exists currently all comes from the Coca-Cola Corporation. The red suit and um, beer, the rosy cheeks, a lot of that is is from, uh, I want to say, Coca-Cola hired Rockwell to do a uh, painting so yeah everyone raise a coke and thank them for your vision of santa claus um yeah 
Yep. Time. Okay. Dave, you're up. Are you ready? I am. And go. Enjoy Santa Claus. Enjoy this Christmas season. But don't forget the reason of the season, and that is the birth of our Savior. So definitely make sure you remember that. A couple pieces of trivia really, really quick. Peter Boyle, who plays his boss in this movie, actually comes back in the second and third movie as Father Time. And there's a really cool scene where the officers are discussing how to capture Santa Claus. And on the chalkboard, there's actually a donut shop with all the police cars parked under it. That's really cool. cool. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. I have hardly anything left. All right. Ready and go. Uh, I do like the elves. I like how they're played by children. I thought that was pretty interesting. But then I started to wonder, yeah, what happens when they age up? Um, Some of the CGI is very dated. It's just good enough that it gets the point across, but is just primitive enough that it's not that great and doesn't hold up over time. And um, uh, oh, he he gets those cases with all the naughty and nice lists. And I just keep thinking, isn't there a a more space efficient way of doing that, especially since they have to cart all the way to his house? And that's all I can think of in time. Nice. We've got the ratings from the kids, but where does it fall for you guys? Ratings. Preston, you want our initiative so you go first give us a rating for the santa claus legally speaking and to be uh distinct holy and in perpetuity throughout the universe this is a two and a half star movie uh we appreciate your patronage please um bust your trays on the way out (laughs) nice okay nice uh that leaves me up next i feel like there are just tons and tons of Christmas movies out there now. And literally you can just sit there and watch them from Thanksgiving all the way up to Christmas and not repeat and have plenty to watch. That being said, some are worth the watch every year and some are not to me. This one's worth a watch. We watch this pretty much every single year. We watch all three of them and enjoy them. So, it, it gets a passing grade. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I'm up next. And first, before I give my letter grade, uh, one of our movies that we reviewed two years ago, Children of Men, there was a big debate in that one as to whether it was a Christmas oh, yeah, movie or not. Ask, yeah. Yeah. And I came up with a scale of one to seven as to whether this is a Christmas movie or not. And this one gets a six out of seven, which I know might sound weird. It's like, what, what was it missing? I, I, I can't remember which category I voted down on. And it might be that it kind of got two half points or something. But I mean, as long as it's four or better, it gets over the line. So yeah, this is definitely a Christmas movie. That's super obvious. I give this a letter grade of a B minus, which seems to be a, a pretty common grade for me lately, which is good because there for a while it was mostly D pluses and then C minuses. And so now I'm finally up to, to B minuses. So yeah, I think this was a, a good movie. Not stellar. It's peaks weren't that high, but its valleys weren't that low. It's just kind of a very stable movie. Uh, so yeah, B minus and it ranks 55th out out of 98 movies that we have reviewed or will review soon. Very nice. Very nice. In the future, after this year, we may have to start doing a scale of just Christmas movies and see where they rank in the, the scale of Christmas movies as we do these reviews. So, because mm-hmm. we're adding some, and that's always a good thing. 
Yeah, I'm glad you remembered. I, I was actually going to ask, how does this pass the scent, the, the, the Christmas movie test? Um, you know, because there's some really good ones out there, like Children of Men. Uh, <laughs> um, I think we have one of those coming up in another review that I'm sure will, uh, I'll be curious to see where it rates on your scale. Again, remember the season, remember the reason. Uh, we appreciate the guests, reviewers to this episode. Uh, but guys, I really enjoyed uh, watching this movie and talking about it with you and really enjoy just sharing the holidays. Thank you for being on and being here to entertain everyone. And Merry Christmas to all. And to all. Yeah, Merry Christmas. And oh, sorry. A discerning geek's night. <laughs> I was trying to switch it up. Nope, that's okay. Um, But yeah, thank you guys. Have a great evening. Salutations. Thank you for listening. And may the force be with you. you. (laughs) (laughs) For more Discerning Geeks Christmas episodes, listen to number 26 Gremlins, number 28 Muppet Christmas Carol, numbers 34 to 36, Christmas-themed Dungeons and Dragons one-shot radio play, parts 1 to 3, Number 80 The Man That Invented Christmas Number 81 Klaus Number 82 Home Alone Number 83 Children of Men Number 115 What You Do in December 2022 Catch Up Number 149 National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation And Number 150 Violent Night Dave, Preston, and Todd were also able to record an episode for Batman Returns. But, will Todd get that episode edited by December 24th, especially considering he was a couple hours short of getting this episode out on December 19th, as intended? Stay tuned to find out. In case Todd sucks and doesn't get that last Christmas episode out in time, I'll say now, calling upon all the spirit of Xena Warrior Princess and all the power of Captain Marvel, have a very safe, healthy, and happy Christmas.